This is Umsteigermöglichkeiten. The Berlin Dating Shit Show. Struggle. Oh, we're not bitter. It's fine. <laughs> We're your hosts, Anna Marie, a queer journalist and feminist activist from California, and Marta, a queer Londoner studying and working in Berlin. Let's get on with the show. This week's episode talks about relationships. There's some mention of assault and some uncomfortable sexual harassment. But besides that, we just talk about not being queer enough, queer stuff, and swear a shit fucking shit fucking fuck ton. Hey, Marta. Hi, Marie. Do you know what these things are? A power bottom, a stone butch top, a bratty bottom, a soft top, a switch, or a footch? I have heard of those words, and I think I could provide a definition, but I'm not 100% sure. Okay, why do you know about these words? Is it the age difference between us? Am I just a fucking grandma in this dynamic? I mean, you could just be a grandma on this dynamic. I think I, I have, I've heard a lot of these words, or read them rather, on TikTok. I watch a lot of TikTok compilations these days. Specifically, they're always called like lesbian TikTok compilation or like LGBTQ TikTok compilation. And people use these terms to define themselves, to define others, to make memes and jokes about. I mean, and the kids that are on TikTok are like ages 16 to, I guess also our age, like my age <laughs> sorry <Fuck off>. <laughs> <laughs> approaching your age too mm-hmm. and it's kind of like youthful I guess I don't know, in social media but I see them more as memes like in the context of memes than I do in the context of like discourse uh-huh. oh well now we are putting them into discourse because we are uh, discoursing them this <laughs> yeah <laughs> Okay, well, I don't know these words, and not only does it make me feel old, but I also feel like I don't know a lot of these terms when I open up queer dating apps and I see people's profiles kind of defined by a lot of these words, especially like bottoms and tops and switch, and okay, I'm not totally clueless. Like, I can imagine what a power bottom is, but I do sometimes feel feel really overwhelmed and like not queer enough when I go on these apps or forums and I'm just like god what if I don't know the words or how I identify myself in these situations a lot of them have to do with like your sexual preferences within a queer sexual setting and what if I just don't know that about myself like am I not allowed like what the fuck am I gonna put I guess you also have to have a a certain amount of like queer sex before you can even know But do you think it's useful to have those labels? I don't know. Well, I think like what you said, like I personally haven't done enough exploring into the world of queer sex and I wouldn't know how to use those words. I think though, like, because this discussion kind of came out of the idea that, you know, we just had Pride Month, like global Pride Month. We're going to have CSD, Christopher Street Day, which is Germany's pride the end of this month July and yeah just this idea that like there's also you know a whole alphabet soup in the letter well label right LGBTQQIIAA mm-hmm. plus so I think like some of those labels can be helpful for people and then the plus maybe is also just to kind of just 
signify that, you know, there are people who don't necessarily fit into any of these labels, but they're part of this queer community. And you can, of course, use the word queer to kind of encompass this whole letter Mm -hmm. soup. How do you identify? I, as I say in the intro of this podcast, would call myself a queer woman. And I like that term. I like queer. I think it's, I think it's a good word. And some people don't like it, which I am aware of, because it's historically been used as a slur against people who are not straight or who are not cisgendered. And I think especially for like older generations, like it still has a lot of power in that sense. So I understand why some people don't like using it. And I've actually I've known people my age also who didn't like using it, but I personally find it very like, yeah, it's very like all encompassing. And it's, I like that it's not super specific. Like you don't have to, it doesn't really prescribe anything for you. It just says that you're not straight or not cis. And like, you know, if if somebody finds out that I'm queer, it doesn't really tell them anything other than that I'm a member of this community. And I think it's really nice for kind of solidarity building as well. I like that it kind of ties me to a range of other people with different experiences and that it kind of creates this mm, liberatory umbrella that we can use. And it just sounds cool. It's, it's, it's like a snappy little, you know, rolls off the tongue, rolls off the tongue. It doesn't need, you know, I think sometimes with the, the labels and I think, yeah, labels can be great for people. And if they help people find specific uh, groups that they identify with or like to understand their own identity, I think they're, they're, they're wonderful. But sometimes, yeah, they can become like hyper specified or like they can be almost exclusionary sometimes in the way that some people use them. Yeah. And queer doesn't really have that. Queer doesn't have, you have to be attracted to X people in X way. It just says, you know, you can figure it out. But I also would call myself bisexual as well, because that more specifically describes my personal attraction that yeah. I have towards other people. And bisexual also is easier for people who who aren't as versed, maybe. So when I'm talking to like, I don't know, my parents or like, you know, other people who don't really aren't very like activisty or aren't you know, queer themselves, bisexual is like something that they've heard of and they're like, okay, this sounds good. And I also, I feel attached to that term bisexual because I'm not you know, I'm not a lesbian. I'm not only attracted to women. And I'm not straight either. Mm-hmm. And so bisexual kind of captures my experience and it has a really powerful history behind it. So, okay, this is interesting because we haven't talked too much about this. I guess we kind of like bonded when we first met about the knowledge that we were both queer women and queer cis women. But like the way that I learned it coming from California was that pansexual was more of like a political statement to say I'm not straight and I'm not lesbian, but I'm also not excluding trans people. Mm-hmm. And I mean, not that anyone ever yells at me for saying I was bisexual, but it was kind of this like someone at some point read me into the idea that if you say bisexual, you're also reinforcing the gender binary. So how come like that's not a word that you use and you specifically you like the word bisexual and stand behind it I mean good question like I've obviously heard of of pansexual and I've seen a lot of this like discourse going around and just for me personally pansexuality or the way that I've read about it kind of implies that gender doesn't necessarily come into the way that you're attracted to people whereas for me like gender and gender presentation they do come into it and that's for example I'm not super attracted to people that are as maybe as feminine or more feminine than me like Mm -hmm. and and so I'm not attracted to the whole gender spectrum 
or the whole, I mean, it's not even like a linear spectrum, it's like a fucking amorphous blob sphere thing. <laughs> yeah. But there are parts of it that I don't, I'm not, you know, personally attracted to. And so that's why I prefer the term bisexual. And actually I was reading from a woman called Robin Ox, and she's a bisexual campaigner. And her website gives a really interesting definition. She says, I call myself bisexual because I acknowledge that I have the potential to be attracted romantically and or sexually to people of more than one gender, not necessarily at the same time, not necessarily in the same way and not necessarily to the same degree mm. which I and I'm sh- and but again it's like very dependent on the person like I'm sure there are pansexual people who feel that way and and this is also why I feel attached to it as a term because I think that some of that like I don't want to say stigma because I'm sure that there are people who see bisexuality as men and women but some of that is kind of yeah it's like misunderstanding of how fluid bisexuality can be and therefore I feel more attached to it like I want to defend it more the more that people question it yeah um and to go back to the question of like bi um from bisexual index uk their website says like if homosexual is attracted to people of a similar gender and heterosexual is attracted to people of a different gender bisexual doesn't necessarily mean men and women because heterosexual doesn't mean men or women and homosexual doesn't mean men or women like they don't prescribe gender gay and lesbian do yeah but heterosexual and homosexual don't and bisexual you could argue is a balance between those two things somewhere Mm. so that could be the bi if you really want to stick to this idea of bi being two but i also think that we've come so far that you know we can think of bisexuality as being something that's much more fluid real quick does her being a bisexual campaigner i mean she's just going around like campaigning for everyone to be bisexual because <laughs> I'm honest to god I am kind of all for that I feel like there was this wave of research maybe say four years ago or something let's say like Atlantic articles where it was like oh women are typically more often bisexual pansexual whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. than men right. and it was interesting because like I mean there's so many different questions in that because Obviously, I think there's a lot in our culture that allows women to explore their sexuality with other women far more than men are allowed to, right? Like, Mm -hmm. we are allowed to be affectionate with one another from a very early age. We're allowed to snog each other when we're young and, oh, it's just a phase, blah, blah, blah. Because, of course, we can't possibly actually be attracted to these people, but we're allowed to do it, right? We're allowed to do it also for the pleasure and the gaze of men, gays with a z not not a y (laughs) right like we're kind of like given this like freedom to explore in a way that i think men aren't and this also leads me to this whole idea of bi erasure and i don't know who said this to me i have a feeling it was some like old sour queer in a dark tavern in santa cruz who was saying that like bi people are kind of the last people in the queer community that you can make fun of because it's we're not really gay enough for the Uh. gays and we're not straight enough for the straights which is why people on both sides just tell us to make up our minds already Mm. i'm like i've definitely come across that from gay people i was still would qualify that with saying that i think it is a bit of a generational thing i think the like the gay movement obviously made so many strides and has and continues to make huge strides especially now with like a lot more acceptance and inclusion of the trans community, which needs to happen desperately. I mean, trans people are still the most targeted 
highest rates of suicide, highest rates of depression, running away, drug use, murder. I mean, straight up, the absolutely most at-risk people. But people don't seem to take bisexual folks seriously. I think it's probably more difficult for men. I do remember I had a friend that I traveled to Turkey with, and I assumed he was gay. And then he we had, had a chat about it. And I wasn't out at that point. This was, like, 2013. And he told me, oh, actually, like, I'm, I think I'm bi. Like, I, you know, I like both. But men gravitate towards this guy more than women because, mm-hmm. like I did, they assume he's gay. And he said, yeah, it's also just, like, people don't take it seriously. And, like, if you are effeminate, identifying, and you express yourself in that way, most cis like straight women aren't going Mm -hmm. to gravitate towards that because that's not what our culture allows i don't know has that been a thing for you as well that like Mm. people kind of tried to erase you out of the queer community yeah definitely or just like having i don't know like stigma of like oh yeah you'll make your mind up or there's a stigma also that bisexual people are more promiscuous for example and and i wouldn't even say it was necessarily generational like i see this in the tiktoks and uh yeah i mean i had an ex who who who's lesbian and who was convinced that i was going to cheat because i was into men and like wouldn't let me be friends with guys because it's possible that i would like end up cheating and as if it was some kind of like inevitable truth but i think also for that person it came from a real place of insecurity and i think that like bi erasure is really like a function of patriarchy because it's like assumed and there is research that most bisexual women end up with men Mm. Uh, or it's like 70% or something so it's not like overwhelming but it's like a large number and a lot of bisexual men choose not to come out as bisexual and just come out as gay instead and it's interesting that in both of those situations it's like the default is attraction towards masculine or like male people so it really is this kind of function of patriarchy where like being attracted to a man or being attracted to masculinity is legit and like accepted and cool and then being attracted to women is like less you know it's a little more risky for these people or like it's less you know less respected and being attracted to both is impossible like what what the hell like why would you do that that doesn't make any sense you know um god and this idea that we have it easier have you gotten that too? Yeah. People being like, oh my god, you have so many more options. I'm so jealous of you. And that's why does nobody want to sleep with me still? <laughs> <laughs> that is false. <laughs> Fake news, bitch. But on a serious note, I was reading an article also about how bisexual women especially have extremely high rates of exclusion um, among their queer friends. Bisexual people are not half gay. If I got fired from my job for being with a woman, that's mm. not half fired, you know. I don't get half harassed i don't get half catcalled you know like all of these things happen to you fully and then also you face sometimes if your friends are you know dickheads exclusion and and stigma from your friends also or in the dating world people who don't take you seriously or think you're not really into women because you've had ex-boyfriends and and maybe some you know lesbians have been burned by women who were you know saying that it was just a phase for them or were just you know playing around or whatever and broke their hearts and i feel for you sweet lesbians come into my arms (laughs) if you need a shoulder to cry on bitch i have two Yeah, that's a super good point. I mean, just to set the record straight, obviously, identities can overlap. Mm-hmm. The the sexual identities I mentioned at the top of the pod, things like that, overlapping with other identities. You yeah. can be a polyamorous straight person. You can be a polyamorous cis queer person. We're not all the Todd from 
scrubs where we just want to fuck everything that moves. Right. It's so, it's such an offensive fucking stereotype. Yeah. I mean, A, there's a stereotype that bisexual women, like you said, we can't make up our mind. We're just in a phase. But also that we, like, can't control our sexuality. That's also probably, I mean, a topic that's going to run through all our episodes that women's sexuality is something that needs to be controlled of course Mm -hmm. because capitalism and secondly if you are attracted to more than one gender that that is evidence of the fact that your sexuality can't be controlled and at any moment you're just gonna fuck someone that you see in the street like oh i'm so sorry that your ex thought that that's such a what an awful pressure like jesus yeah but also have you ever had it the other way where like You'll be dating a, a man, and then you say, oh, I'm bisexual, and then they just go, oh, hot. You want to have a threesome? As if, again, like, I want to fuck every single person, as, as if this guy can just pick a random girl, and I'm going to want to sleep with her, because, you know, I'm just a hot little slut who just wants to, you know, do whatever you want. No! Wow. Jesus fucking... I mean, I am I'm down for threesomes, but, you know... <laughs> Not not because I'm bisexual, right. you know, yeah. and that shouldn't be the automatic thing that people think. And then they're always like, "Oh, you want to have threesome?" I'm like, "Okay, great, let's get another guy involved." Like, hey. why don't you why don't oh, you, you pull your way? Dick in the mix? What? <laughs> <laughs> you don't like that, huh? Well, think about it, asshole. Yeah, no, um, I have definitely had that actually to the point where I had a conversation with my ex once where. We were talking about the fact that I'm queer. First off, of course, he asked me on the second date, if I'm a queer woman, am I attracted to men? And I was like, you fucking dingus. Like, I'm on a second date with you? Like, obviously, this is not for research purposes. Like, I am here because I'm interested in you. But then he did talk about the idea of, like, me sleeping with another man would be a no-go, but that sleeping with a woman would be open to possibility and that is another one have you seen this too the second i go on okay cupid if you're listed on there like i am as a bisexual woman queer woman all you get is couples 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 Mm. why because it's okay with them to play with another woman but like you said that dude doesn't want another dick in the mix does he no he just wants more women to disappoint I mean the the boyfriend is never you see in these couples sometimes I you see the girl first because it's always on the girl's profile and you're trying to this is why it's so hard to find women as well in Berlin I'm swiping on like these girls profiles on Bumble and I'll be like oh this girl's so pretty swipe she has some weird looking boyfriend (laughs) and he's just like there and I'm like what is he gonna do just he doesn't look like he's gonna pull his weight you know she's always hotter than him she is always hotter than him it's so true and it's just like, okay, well, I would love to sleep with that woman, but um, yeah. he can fuck off because I don't need him in the room. He just provides snacks. Oh, please. That is your only role, men, if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> Provide <laughs> snacks. You mentioned swiping on the apps and everything, but also the fact that, like you said, some of the times your own queer friends maybe aren't as accepting of this identity because it's not one that's been let's say, established in modern history as part of the visible movement. So people like our parents' age, you know, they're more or less fine with the gays. Mm -hmm. In quotation marks, please don't call them the gays. Um, (laughs) But, you know, 
bisexual folks, pansexual folks, transgender folks, non-binary folks, they really have a hard time grasping that. Which is crazy because these are the people that originated the movement. And this is actually something that I really wanted to highlight. Obviously, we talk about Stonewall a lot, which which was a riot in 1969 at the Stonewall Inn in New York. York. Um, And in recent years, people have been highlighting the trans women of color who were at the forefront of this movement. So Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera, who were great, and we should definitely be celebrating these people. I also wanted to add not replace, but add on to this discussion and tell you if you didn't know about Brenda Howard. So the Stonewall riots happened or the Stonewall protests happened and the police were there and were violent and blah, blah. And it was bad. And then after that, there was a woman called Brenda Howard who was involved in the scene and she organized, a month after Stonewall, she organized the Christopher Street Liberation Day march the very first one, and after that, she com- like made another march to commemorate the Stonewall rights, and those were the first Pride marches. Ah. And since then, they've been spread uh, all around the world. That's why we call it Christopher Street Day in Berlin, after Christopher Street in New York. And she was a bisexual activist, she was a sex-positive feminist, polyamorist, an AIDS activist. She would... the biographies and the commentaries from people that knew her that I've read were so moving. They said she was always helpful. She would organize a march for anyone that needed it. She would like get people there. And and yeah, and she um, worked to get bi added alongside gay and lesbian as uh, one of the one of the letters, you know. Aww. And so I think it's really important. This is also why I feel so attached to the term bisexual is to to know to know about this history that like bisexual activism has a history that goes all the way back to Stonewall. And so bisexual activists, trans activists, were at the root of the liberation movements that we have now, and we have so much to thank them for. Mm. And that's um, that's also why I feel so connected and, and defensive of that term is like, you know, we didn't just come in to steal thunder and, and have sex or like fuck around or whatever or do whatever people think that we want to do. You know, we're here for our rights and for inclusion and for the liberation of all queer people. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's fascinating. I did not know that. And I mean, that just, yeah, exactly goes along to this whole bi erasure. I mean, right, with that, that movie that came out about Stonewall, and there's been other conversations about the fact that Marsha P. Johnson was written out of that movie. Yeah. I don't know if it's called Stonewall. It might be. I didn't watch it because they made the first person to throw the stone at the Stonewall riots be a cis white dude so fuck that not watching that movie um but it is part of this like bi erasure as well where like we're just written out of the history yeah. did anyone know that did we know that before this conversation I didn't know that before i researched this yeah exactly like why don't we know that and the fact that there have been bi people who of course would not have used that term that we are using modern terms for people who since the beginning of time were interested in sleeping with more than one gender there have been trans folks forever. I mean, there are historical documents, people. Like, we're not pulling this out of our asses. We actually ha- both happen to be doing a master's in history. So we do know some of these things. <laughs> and, I mean, for instance, in ancient Rome, for the elite, it was incredibly common for wealthy men to sleep with young men. It was called pederasty. Like, it was kind of like a, a rite of passage that they would be brought into, like, higher society. And the same would be true of their wives. They would also have their separate, you know, women and men quarters. 
and then just kind of sleep around with whoever, go home to their hubby, have a nice little evening. There's undoubtedly a lot of power dynamics in that, which might make that whole issue of consent a bit problematic. Uh, but we'll have the topic of consent for another episode. <laughs> um, uh, we're not dating in ancient Rome. We are not dating thank in... God. Oh, thank God. One of the things, though, I mean, since we were talking about Christopher Street Day and Pride, you and I have chatted about this because we've also talked about wanting to go out and kind of be a part of a bigger queer community in Berlin. And we've both found that... Okay, granted, we both haven't lived here for super, super long. But we also haven't felt very invited to be in the queer community and I mean both of us have tons of queer friends I think it's true that both of us have a lot of gay male friends and it definitely seems like Berlin has this huge reputation as being queer friendly but a lot of that just has to do with like white gay men getting to run the show yeah I think that's true and I think maybe we also exist at a kind of a very strange intersection of communities and that like Berlin is this like historic queer scene but a lot of that is also like from slash for older German people who are from Berlin and who have established this scene for themselves which is wonderful yeah absolutely incredible and they have bars and you know neighborhoods and that's great but that's obviously not necessarily for us right because we're young expats and I don't speak like Berlin dialect and I don't really know how to talk to like old Berlin lesbians be like hello also maybe you don't necessarily want to I mean maybe you want to be like dating people no exactly right so but that's a community which is like established and what part of what gives Berlin it's you know like historical relevance and then the other side is this like young expat community which is mostly young white gay dudes from fucking Europe or the US or Australia or whatever spoken to some of my gay friends about this and these young guys like come in and create a new scene that kind of revolves around them and revolves around their sexuality especially and what they want to do and Again, like, having a bar and a club is wonderful. Like, bars and clubs are, like, historically scenes of queer activism and community. And I have nothing against bars and clubs as being queer spaces. That's wonderful. Because, straight, God knows, straight people do all <laughs> horrible things in bars. Anyways. Mm. And they don't do anything political about it. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing. Yeah. But I'm just not a massive bar and club person. Like, I drink sometimes, not that much. I don't really go to bed late. I'm not really into techno. I don't really do a lot of drugs. Like, it's just not really my scene, personally. And so it's really hard then. And I've been to some gay bars and clubs and they've been really fun, but like, you know, it's kind of like this weird disconnect where I know queer people, but then I don't know where to find queer women yeah as a gatherer like you do they flock somewhere because but yeah so it's like it's kind of difficult to to find those spaces that are like for me or for people like me or for people that I would want to date I don't really see women that I would really want to date on dating apps maybe they just don't use dating apps yeah no I definitely I feel a lot of that especially it really does seem like and this is a generalization But a lot of the gay men that I know here are very, very into the drug culture Mm -hmm. here as well. There's a very specific scene. And I think, like, you and I both identify as femme. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I don't mind the term pansexual. For some people, I don't say it. Like, my ex-boss, who was creepy because I don't like saying sex in front of people like him because... 
he's gonna just imagine that I have sex with women and get really excited about that and he is a fucking perv so I do say queer I would say femme cis woman and so like we walk into spaces where maybe it's not 100% queer space and people don't necessarily look at us and say oh they're queer even though I did get the septum piercing when it was still a queer marker and everyone else got it too. Oh my god, I have a tattoo on my leg, literally, of violets, which were already my favourite flower anyway. But I have them tattooed on my leg and I have them embroidered onto my denim jacket because Sappho, the poet, who's a lesbian, used to give violets to her lovers. And so they're like sapphic coded, like ah. gay flower. And I'm hoping that I'm going to walk into a bar somewhere with my leg out <laughs> and, the, and the woman will see me and say, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> she's the one for me and she's queer like let me go lick that tattoo or something if a woman came up to you and asked to lick your leg i actually could see you being into that (laughs) anybody out there any leg licking i don't shave my legs but you know that's the other one i don't shave my legs i mean i'm hoping people will see that and be like oh okay well you know well that's it it's like we're in berlin a lot of the standard um signs that might have worked in california for me not shaving my legs not shaving my armpits mm-hmm. having a septum piercing they aren't loud enough yeah. signals i guess and i it's funny because I, I obviously i knew you had a tattoo but i didn't know that that was like the hidden meaning i also have a tattoo on my back that has a triangle on it which is also the queer triangle oh. <laughs> you see we both have bloody it's like a neon sign it's, yeah. not, it's not a neon sign no it's very we're women coded. it's very subtle <laughs> i think that's very classic like again from tiktok the stereotype is that queer women are very shy and don't make moves on each other I mean, this is also probably an issue why you know people don't really make moves and yeah and but I also, like, I mean, I have long hair. I don't, I did think about this when I was kind of grappling with my identity as a queer woman. And I read, read this book called How to Be Queer, actually. She did talk about, like, the, the gay haircut <laughs> and stuff like that. And I was just like, I don't want to cut my hair off and only wear, like, collared shirts all the way buttoned up just so that someone's going to take me seriously as, like, a queer woman. Like, I want to, I like dresses. I like skirts. I don't wear rainbow fishnets all the time. I don't also like, there's also a look. Lots of different colors of dyed hair, lots of piercings. I feel like in Berlin, this is also a thing, like maybe throwing quite a bit of leather in there. But that's everyone. Straight people just like that in Berlin, man. This is why you, you just can't, you can't win. That's true. And speaking of not feeling queer enough for spaces or not feeling that you look queer enough for spaces, let's hear from Fiona, who's one of our listeners who lives in Paris, and they're going to tell us about how they feel about their pansexuality and specifically how it relates to gender presentation and perception by others. Hi, I'm Fiona and I am a pansexual and queer woman who's femme presenting. Last summer, I fell in love with this beautiful person who's transmasculine and lives in a queer anarchist community in Pittsburgh, in the US. Since then, I've started to intentionally seek out queer friendships in Paris too. A year later, I have many more queer friends and most of them present masculine. When talking about the experience of not feeling queer enough, I think it's important to say that personally, I've never felt excluded from queer spaces because I'm fun presenting. But I experience an internal shift being around a lot more people who are actively aspiring towards masculine gender created something weird for me. 
which was a kind of inferiority complex in queer spaces. Not because people were intentionally making me feel this way, but because of a lack of femme representation and because of the cultural standard of queerness that still is a form of masculinity. This feeling, I think, is rooted in patriarchal thinking. I feel bad when I'm the only femme-presenting person because our patriarchal society as a whole valorizes masculinity over femininity. I know that misogyny and anti-femininity still exist inside all of us, and these harmful attitudes still seep into even the most feminist queer spaces. So I'm trying to unlearn those beliefs and love myself as I am. Even if I'm working against the emphasis people put on physical appearance when assuming things about people's gender, I think we're still perceived through the stances, unfortunately. For example, right now, it's a huge privilege that I can pass as straight in most of society because of the way I look. But when it comes to dating or meeting lesbians and queers, I'm lacking a way to show that I'm queer. And that's a shame because one, I want to belong badly in the spaces that feel the most right to me because I share with them the most values and vision of the world. And two, above all, I want lesbians to not assume that I'm straight so they can come and flirt with me. Thank you so much, dear listeners, for joining us on this episode of Umsteigermöglichkeiten. Our next couple of episodes are also going to focus on queer issues. So if you have any questions or comments, we are now on Instagram at Umsteigerpodcast. That's U-M-S-T-E-I-G-E podcast. We're also, uh, we have an email address. It's umsteigerberlin at gmail.com. Write to us. Don't send us any dick pics. Don't send us any nudes in general. Just send us questions or comments that you have. And we're going to keep with the queer theme. Yay! See you next time. Bye. No vulva pics either, please. Just like no genitals in general. Yeah. You can ask us out though. Like we're both single. Yeah, I'm available. I have a lot of free time. Where is my lady wife? <laughs> <laughs> my lady wife! <laughs> or say you're like monogamous. Mon- no. Monogamous or non monogamous. I was bisexual. Bi- bi- <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, let me do that again. <laughs>